Welcome to our audio study guide. And, uh, that is our podcast for the week. Thank you so much for coming to being a part. Hope you're enjoying studying the Word of God, especially the book of Genesis has just been incredibly eye-opening just to hear what God is doing in your in the lives of people. I've heard so many reports uh, from what happened in Genesis, things as we're talking about faith and just saying, you know, I just I need to believe that God can and I'm going to learn to trust him when he says to do something and and uh, just to see God work. And, and then going from last week where Abraham was having issues uh, with, uh, with obedience and with uh, living a life that was pleasing to God by lying about his, his own wife and not trusting God and having to scheme his way out of things. That was incredibly eye-opening as well. And we don't have to scheme. We don't have to find back doors. It's just been a great time. I do want to Thank you so much for continuing to minister to those that, uh, that have come to be a part of, of Northwood. Uh, we have more and more people coming to our Life Connection groups. And if you are not a part of Northwood and you are in the North Charleston or Charleston area and would like to join us, um, we have people that come from Monk's Corner, Mount Pleasant. We have people that come from uh, Ladson, Charleston, uh, West Ashley in Charleston, uh, from all the way out to Ravenel, Isle of Palms. Um, we, uh, of course, have them from North Charleston and Somerville and Goose Creek. Majority of our people do come from those two places, North Charleston and Goose Creek. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'd love to have you anytime. Our Life Connection groups, we have 815 classes. Uh, we also have uh, 930 and we have 11 o'clock. So um, if you want to be a part of one of our Life Connection groups, uh, let me know, and we can get you hooked up. And uh, I'm usually at the tent at the front when you come to Northwood, so if you'd like to come hit me up and uh, find out what uh, Life Connection Group would best suit you, or at least try a couple, uh, I'm more than happy to help you. Okay? And my name is Trey Rhodes, and I am the Connections Pastor here at Northwood. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to uh, this audio study guide podcast. Well, we're looking at Genesis chapter 13, and we're going to talk about seeing through the eyes of faith. And what I'm going to do this week, because I want to make sure that you're not spending your entire time uh, going over the sermon, we're going to try to do this as quickly as possible. I'm trying to do, from the time I start, uh, about 10 minutes. So uh, we're going to try to work that through, okay? Uh, but we're talking about seeing through the eyes of faith. Uh, we... Uh, talked about at the very beginning, or the pastor talked about this artwork that, uh, you know, you have to see, uh, you have to imagine all art, art, all art is the way you interpret it anyway, so seeing the invisible, it wasn't there, and somebody actually bought it, and all those things, but the point is, um, you're going to, if you choose to be faithful to God in his ways, you're going to spend your life on what seems like nothing in the eyes of the world, but the truth is, is that you'll end up gaining everything so the interesting story is it goes this way there's a contrast when we look at abraham between a man who looks at life through the eyes of faith and a man who looks at life through the eyes of the world one gains it all that god has for him and the other gains everything he sees but ultimately it'll cost him everything else uh, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his own soul we can see the world we can't see our soul. Just think of that. Um, so what we have here is a way to teach us to look at life through the eyes of faith. 
So just like Abraham, we're on that journey. So there are three truths that we can see about the eyes of faith, and that's number one, you can always start over. Now, life got tough in the promised land. Abe fled to Egypt. It didn't work out well for him. He de- you remember the story? He deceived about his wife, and then God gives him grace. Um, God plagues, uh, brings plagues to Pharaoh's house. Uh, he, she, he releases Sarah, or Sarai, and uh, they move back from Egypt, go back to Canaan land where they belonged. Um, I know he could have thought that God's done with me, but he wasn't. So this long journey back to Canaan where Abe had built an altar first, and it says it there, and we find in chapter 13, verse 4, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So that's exactly what happens, is Abraham chooses to call on the name of the Lord. So he came back to Canaan, and uh, we don't know exactly what he said when he called on the name of the Lord. We know it had to do with worship, but certainly it could have been confession, repentance, all those things. And this is the first time we have recorded in the book of Genesis someone coming back to God. So in Genesis chapter 13, we have this story of Abraham coming back to God and repenting, turning from his ways, that what he was doing, and understanding that it was important that he become the man of God that God had called him to be. Um, so we have that. And that is because we look at ourselves as believers. And we actually live that life out where we are in constant grace or constant repentance as we depend upon God to allow us to come back. And the good news is he is there with open arms waiting on us every single time. Now, I know that some there's some people in your Life Connection group. Just remember this, guys. There's some people right now that are thinking, I've messed up too bad. I can never go back. You know, I've sinned too much. Um, my marriage is too far gone. My friendship is over. Uh, my addiction can't be overcome. You name it. Uh, sinful thoughts, atti- attitudes, actions, whatever it might be. But there is no area of your life where repentance can't take place. But how do you do that? Well, I think there's three ways. Pastor Tommy shared them, and I think I, I, I completely concur. First thing you do is you lay down your pride. You, you need to come back. You need to be honest with God. You need, to, you need to submit to God. You need to surrender to God. You need to say, God, it's not me that can do it. It's only you. Then we call out to God. We, 1 John 1, 9 says we confess our sins. If we do that, he will forgive us of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Um, you might want to share that with your group and have somebody read that out loud or quote it. Many people have that quoted and have it in their heart. So that brings about restoration, reconciliation. You know, we don't confess our sin as much as we should. When's the last time you did? Just plain out said, Lord, this is where I messed up. This is what I did. Forgive me. You say, well, I can't remember all my sins. Well, you, you sure sinned them. I can't. Do we have to confess one at a time? Well, you sure sinned one at a time, didn't you? I know I did. Ask God to remind you, okay? And then third bullet point, pick up where you left off. Temptations to think it's never going to be the same. That's not true. You see, when we receive the grace of God, things can be better. You know, what you've got to do is you've got to get back in the Word. You've got to get back in community. You know, that's what we're doing in Life Connection Group. We are getting people. And by the way, Life Connection Group leaders, get people into your Life Connection Groups. This is making a difference all over the place. You, the stories I'm hearing are just incredible how God is using you in your life connection group to impact lives, and I thank you. Second thing, though, when we talk about this um, a truth about seeing, uh, uh, seeing life from the eyes of faith, 
is number two, you can always choose what's best over what's better. So it's a new start. Um, now, let's, let's be very clear here. Um, the new start didn't take away all of the problems. Abraham's biggest problem was now his wealth. He was given all this wealth when he left Egypt. And now he has a greedy nephew who is also kind of riding on the coattails of, of Abraham. So here we got Abraham getting out of Egypt. Well, seems like everything went well. He got everything he wanted. He got Sarah back. Um, they were able to go back to Canaan without any, any trouble. And we got to imagine that somehow Abraham put a lot of his possessions under Lot's care. He just couldn't, he just couldn't take care of them all. So he says, well, might as well give Lot some. So at that point, he, he realizes that the land's not big enough for both of them. And they can't support all the stuff they have. Um, so what happens is Abraham's servants, Lot's servants, start fighting with each other. And there's Canaanites in the land. There's parasites in the land. Not parasites, parasites. And it's just not room for everyone. Now, we don't know how much uh, about Lot. We don't know a lot about him, but we do know that he followed Abraham around. We do know that Peter called him righteous. One day I'm going to have to talk to Peter about that because I don't quite understand. I, you know, I'm sure uh, he, it had to be grace. That's why he was righteous, because he was only righteous in the eyes of God. So what we have here is Abe responding differently this time than he did in Genesis 12. So this time he grows in his faith. Instead of scheming, he lets Lot choose where he wants to go. Now, that takes faith because Lot is probably going to pick the best place. So here, here, here's something that you might think doesn't make sense. Lot's been riding Abraham's coattails, as we said. He, he has, because of Abraham, he has what he has. And the promise came to Abraham, not to Lot. So you would think that Abraham would say to Lot, I'm God's man. You better listen to me. So in verse 10, we have... Lot looking out and seeing. He, the Bible says Lot looked out and saw. It's also the same sort of language when Eve saw the tree in the garden. It looked good. He saw the land he wanted, and he had to have it. Now, Abraham had been where Lot had been. So, you know, there, there was famine in the land. Abraham saw Egypt. He said that's where the better life was. So he leaves Canaan. And he goes to the lush land of the Niles we talked about last week. So Abraham begins learning to look through the eyes of faith. He has learned from his last uh, debacle in Egypt, all right? So what does Lot do? He looks with the natural eye, not with the spiritual eye, or with the faithful eye, or with the eye of faith. And he sees this, he says it looks like the garden itself. Of course, that's a picture of, of Eden. Lush, beautiful, perfect, fruitful, all those things. But it's eastward. Now in the Bible, whenever anybody moves eastward, it's always moving away from God. Um, so he, he goes to the land close to Sodom. And then eventually we find that Lot actually had moved to Sodom. So that's not going to go well, is it? So Lot looks, the land is better, but it wasn't what he want, what was best. So here's, here's how we apply this. And this is how we apply it to our lives. Here's how you apply it to your life connection group. Number one, what looks like Eden isn't always best for you. You know, some, some of your people in your life connection group got eaten on the mind. The new job, the new, new, new education, the, the new relationship, the new marriage, whatever it is. You know, you got your mind on Eden. You, the new boyfriend, the new girlfriend, if I get it, I'll be satisfied. You know, it's not wrong to want better, but the problem is, do you want it more than you want God's best? You see, there's good, better, best. Never let it rest until the good is better and the better is best. We always want what's best. Not what's good, we want what's best. 
what's best for you doesn't always look like eating. So first thing, what's, what looks like eating isn't always best for you, but what's best for you doesn't always look like eating. Um, so God's will comes along, and God calls you to do uh, what looks better to you. He, he doesn't call you to do what looks better to you. So what's better for you is to fight through your marriage when it doesn't look like eating. What's best is for you to look at life through the eyes of faith. What can God do if I release him in my life to accomplish what he wants to accomplish? If I say, God, I surrender to you. Third bullet point, how do we apply it? Number, uh, you're looking for what's better, but you already have what's best. Oh, pastor, that's not true at all. Can't be. Oh, but it is. We have the cross. We have the resurrected Jesus. And because of that, we have God himself living in us. You see, God has you where he wants you. God will move you when he wants to. God will lead you as he desires, right? Your responsibility is to call out and believe. And then third, and we're done, you can always see what matters most. You see, Lot looked and saw. He saw Abraham. He, saw Abraham. Uh, he, 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 he wanted that better land and... He watched, so what does Abraham do? He just watches his, his nephew walk away. He might have been heartbroken, we don't know, but Lot looked. And then God came to Abraham and said, you look. He said, Lot gets a fertile land. We, we know the rest of the story, don't we? He wouldn't get the land for long. He would see the land where he settled completely destroyed. And to Abraham, he said, this land out here is yours forever. Generation after generation after generation will come behind you and walk on this land. And God doesn't tell Abraham how or when this will happen. He doesn't tell him the details. And here Sarah has no baby. But Abraham sees with the eyes of faith. And he says, if God said he'd do it, God's going to do it. It'll happen. So here's the challenge for you. When you get in that situation, you think you need to know the specifics of where God's leading. You need to lift up your eyes. You're making the choice to look at things that won't satisfy you. And um, you need to make the choice to look to the one who loves you one who wants to make his in his image. So lift up your eyes. See how God wants to use you. And then leave it up to God. You know, Abraham didn't know how it was going to turn out. He didn't know how he was going to become a great nation. He didn't know how his wife was going to have a child. All he could do was leave it up to God. And then God is great at working out the details. So just let him do it, okay? Focus on living for him and leave the details in his hands. Third application. Your life might not look promising right now, but the promise of God is faithfully at work. As I went through it, I mean, there was a time in my life when I said, I feel like I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there. Even if I did know where I was going, I didn't know what was going on. And God worked out the details without my help. Unbelievable, but true. Um, you know, you can think it didn't look very promising 2,000 years ago when the Son of God was nailed to a cross. It seemed like the devil had won, didn't it? The sky went dark, the earth shake. But on the day that didn't look promising, God fulfilled his promise to us to bring us into his promised land, to bring us that eternal relationship with him. And when Jesus died on the cross that I deserved, when he suffered the punishment for my sin, and then when Jesus rose from the dead three days later, it was so that I could have life. That's, that's the promised land. That is why we are children of the promise. That's why Genesis 3.15 matters. And he will continue to fulfill that promise in you. Just lift up your eyes and leave it to God. Some people in your life connection group might need to start over again. 
Let them have that opportunity. We had some real breakthroughs in small groups with the youth this past week. Maybe that's what's going to happen in your, your small group this week, okay? Begin to pray that God will do a work. All righty, well, let's look uh, at Genesis 13, and let's uh, ask the discussion questions. Um, George Michael used to sing, sing the song, Gotta Have Faith. So let's ask the question, uh, if we got to have faith, what does it mean to have faith? Um, I, if you would like, you can turn to Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 7. It'll give you a great opportunity to look through there, but feel free to, feel free to let them discuss a little bit about faith. And then in, in verse, uh, question number 4, he also talks about reading Hebrews 11, 1 and help us understand the essence of faith. All right, well, let's uh, read Genesis 13, 1 through 4. You might want to have somebody in your class do that. Uh, we have Abraham returning to Canaan after his faithless flee to Egypt. What do you think Abraham learned about God after this experience he had in Egypt? Uh, obviously, he learned not to scheme anymore. He learned trust for God. Um, he learned that uh, when he puts his hands in it, it's, it, it things mess up. Um, and so here, Abraham is significant. It significantly returns to Canaan because it's about going back to the place where he started, even to the place of, of salvation and the place of, uh, I, I guess I should say, the place of worship, the first place of worship, the first altar he built there. Number two, what does Genesis 13, 1 to 4 teach us about grace? Well, God is a God of the second chance, folks, and he lets us come back. He's there with open arms waiting on us. What, if anything, did Abraham's journey to Egypt change in Abraham's relationship with God? It helped him trust him more, right? We talked about that just a minute ago. So what's the significance of Abraham calling on the name of the Lord? Well, we know that that was a point where he worshiped God. He called on God. Certainly, there had to be a time of repentance, a time of, of, of uh, confession before God. God, here, I want to get back to where I started. Lord, take me back to the place where, I, where, where it all began. That's kind of, I know that song is a good one, and you might want to, Break that out if you want to, but uh, um, Lord, take me back. Number three, in Egypt, Abraham gained wealth. What was the downside of Abraham gaining wealth? He had all the stuff. He had too much stuff. He didn't know what to do with it. It was going to split Lot and Abraham up, right? So it was nothing good came out of that, that opportunity. And then Lot heads down to Sodom. And I mean, like, like Pastor Tommy said, that didn't work out too well, did it? So who is Lot? We don't know a lot about him. We know he's Abraham's nephew um, and that uh, he was probably riding the coattails of Abraham. So why do you think Abraham allows Lot to have first choice of the land? It's very simple. He was willing to leave it in God's hands and not his own. And uh, he didn't, you know, he had the right because God had made him the promise. Remember that? He had the right to do it, but he let Lot make the choice. And he made, and because of that, Abraham made the right choice by allowing Lot to make the right choice because Lot's area was destroyed. And then God could look over and say, the land that you walk here will all be yours. And your children and your children's children and your children's children's children will walk this land as well. What contrast, number four, this is number four, what contrast do you see between Abraham and Lot? Well, we have Abraham who's willing to learn from the Lord. And we have Lot that's kind of a lackey, kind of hanging on the back, uh, the, the coattails of Abraham. How does Lot's faith differ from Abraham's faith? Well, I think Lot was just in it for the game, you know? I mean, <laughs> we have no indication that somehow Lot was this great spiritual leader. We do know that he was saved, uh, but as by fire, what the Bible says. Um, but, uh, but we do know that um, 
Lot was uh, not where he should have been. He was in it for himself. He was in it for his gain. He was in it for the best land. The, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and the eating was is that he looked and he saw the best land. He didn't defer to his uncle. He took it himself. Um, so uh, let's see here. Why do you think Peter called Lot righteous? Well, we know that he called Peter righteous. As I said earlier, you know, I'm going to have to talk to Peter about that. But it was because of the grace of God. That's the only way it could be. So how could sinful Lot be righteous? Because of the grace of God. That's it. That's the answer. Number five, Lot saw that the land to the east was watered like the Lord's garden. Now, what is the Lord's garden? We know that's, that he's talking symbolically of Eden, E-D-E-N. Just like, uh, and we have the same language used, all right, that Eve looked and she saw and it was beautiful and all those things. A, a lot looked and he saw and it was a beautiful part as beautiful well well watered and uh, that's what a lot wanted um, so why is this phrase so significant in this chapter because lot wanted the best and we know that just wanting and wanting the best of what looks good is not necessarily what is good um, so that's why we have to learn to depend upon God for the details and not Take over and say, God, I think this is for my best. Because we do not know what's best. And typically, we almost never know what's best. Unless we seek God, his ways, his plan, his purpose, right? Seek God, his ways, his plan, and his purpose. Tell your Life Connection group that. Let them write those three things down. That's what we seek. We don't seek the details out. We don't seek the best. You know, the best as far as physical things. Um... Here he saw this lush, beautiful, fruitful, perfect place. Um, and so what he did is he moved east, saying, you know, basically that this is about a moving away from the presence of God to, to a land that's close to the world and not close to God. Yeah, and think about this. Maybe the land was better, but it wasn't what was best, was it? Uh, just because you think, you know, if I get it, I'm going to be satisfied, whatever it is, your job or whatever it is, your job, your education, your, you know, situation, your house. Uh, you want it more than you want God's best for you, and that's that's when it gets dangerous. So remember what we talked about, what looks like Eden isn't always best for you. What's best for you doesn't always look like Eden. And number three, you're looking for what's better, but you already have what's best, and that's God himself. Um, let's jump on to verse uh, number six. What details in the text indicate that Lot's move was a bad move? Well, um, we know that uh, he was, the language is very similar, as we talked about earlier, very similar to uh, the language that Eve had. If you remember Eve looked, she saw it was beautiful and all those things. All those things make it sound like Lot's about to do the same thing that Eve did and get completely away from God. And sin before God. And uh, that's exactly what that's exactly what happened. Um, so that's why we've got to change the way that we do that, right? So what does this teach us about pursuing what we think is best for us? Well, instead of looking at the beauty of where we need to go, what we need to do is we need to lift up our eyes to God. And we need to leave it up to God. And even though it might look like somebody's got the best, it doesn't mean that they do, because what God promises, he is faithfully going to work out. He's going to faithfully work out. Rely on him. The Bible tells us 
that the promises of God are yes and amen. Hang on to that. God promised you, and he will deliver. All right, in Genesis 13, 14, how does God reassure Abraham after Lot leaves Abraham? Do you remember what he told him? He says, look, look at this land. Everything you see, everywhere you walk, I will be there with you. You know, you look at what God was doing, and you might think, well, God, you know, you don't know, you don't know what you're doing. It looks crazy. He's getting the best part. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it, but to Abraham, he says, oh, Abraham, this land you have is yours forever. Generation after generation, children after children of your descendants will come behind you and will walk in this land. Um, that's what he promises. Okay, well, let's apply the truth now. If you've strayed from your faith or in your faith, how can you start over? How do you start over when, you, when you're having these struggles and you need to get back to where you were? Well, the three things we talked about was, number one, we lay down our pride. We are honest with ourselves. You know, we come back. We're honest with God. We're honest with others. If you hurt people along the way, you need to go back and you need to deal with that. That's laying down your pride. It's hard. That's what you got to do. But then you need to call it to God. That's confession, First John 1, 9. We talked about that in the sermon. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, right? Um, and then third, we pick up where we left off. You know, it's always our temptation to think, well, it's never going to be the same. That's not true. God can make it better. Get back in the game. Get back in the word. Get back in community. Number two, in your life, there are probably some things that look like Eden to you. There are some things that you think if you obtain these things, you're going to find what your heart is looking for. So let's ask the question. In a world that offers you so many good things, how can you know what's best for your life? How do you know what's best for your life? We already spoke about this, but let me reiterate. How do we know what's best? We lift up our eyes. We, we look to God. We leave the choices to him. He's the one that wants to deliver us an eternal kingdom, a promised land. And see how God wants to use you. Leave it up to God, too. Um, you know, you know, we look. We always see the end from the beginning in these Bible stories, but Abraham didn't. Abraham didn't know how it was going to turn out. He didn't know that he was going to become a great nation except for the promise of God. All he could do was leave it up to God. God is great at working out the details, so let him. And then third, your life might not look promising now, but the God of the promise is faithfully at work. Don't ever forget the God of the promise, all right? Bring him into it. You know, it's terrible that you have to say it, but we have to allow God into our lives to, for that to accomplish, be accomplished. Um, all right, number three. How does this story point to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, obviously, um, there was a day that didn't look very promising for the Son of God. It was the day of his crucifixion. But he was fulfilling his promise all along, even in the crucifixion, even in what seemed like the worst of time on the cross. Jesus died the death that we deserve Suffered the punishment for your sins and rose from the dead. Now, folks, Life Connection Group leaders, please, please, please share the gospel. Don't forget to do that. Okay? When you, when you share, share the gospel. When you tell this part, they need to hear the gospel. All right. Let's respond to the truth. Number one, what do you think God is calling you to do in response to this uh, passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 13? Okay, they're going to have to share some of their feelings on that. Well, I believe God... And this is where I hope that God can just do a work. 
you know, that God can be in the open hearts. And as people open hearts, they're going to begin to respond to God. Um, how will this passage in Genesis 13 inform the way that you pray? So, Lord, help me. I need you. I need to see in the eyes of faith. I don't know the details, but, Lord, I know what you promised me, and I know that you are going to fulfill it. All right? So, with that in mind, what has God promised you? Do the promises of God motivate you to walk by faith? And then what action step can you take this week because you've been motivated by the promises of God? So, God, this is what you promised me. This is what I'm going to do because you promised me. And I'm going to, I'm going to, and thank you, Lord, that that has now motivated me to do what you said to do. Some of you, it means ministry to you, that God has said, I need you in this ministry. You said, I can't. And God says, but I can. God can work out the details. God can bring it about. God can do it through you. Now let him. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. Thank you for this man of God, Abraham, who learned from his mistakes and was willing to go back to the place where he started and get it all right so that it would not just become okay, but better and best. He would get the best. Lord, there are people in our Life Connection groups this week that are struggling with this issue right here. They're trying to hold on. They're trying to scheme. They're trying to do all the things that they need to do to make it right for them. They're looking for Eden when all they need to do is look to you who promises the greatest life ever. The promised land. Not Eden, but the promised land. Eternal life. Eternal joy. Thank you for what you're doing. Continue to do your work. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, praying for you. Do well. I know that uh, it's going to be a good week as we discuss Abraham in the eyes of faith. All right, guys, God bless you. Have a great week. If you need me, give me a call or text me or email me, trey at northwoodbaptist.com.